1: Well, hello there and welcome aboard. Time to revel in some wrong think, and I thank you for being a part of my audience. Also want to thank my sponsors, including Jeff Staples Real Estate, Nikki's Wholesale Food Warehouse, and the Staples Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage. It is wonderful to have sponsors. I also want to give a special shout out to those of you listeners who have have stepped up and chosen to become a patron of The Brian Hyde Show and do so by making a monthly donation in interest of supporting the show. If you're interested in learning more about it, you can go to the website, com. At the end of the show notes, there's a link where you can subscribe to the podcast, or you can also click on a link to become a patron of the show. Either way, I really appreciate it, and and I'm going to launch into a story here, and, and I'm trying to check myself here. Not my privilege so much. Sorry. <laughs> it's my privilege. I'm going to keep it. No, I... I'm going to do a little more follow-up on the Ammon Bundy story. And, and I, here's, the, here's the worry. As I'm doing this, I don't want to beat it into the ground. I don't, want to, I don't want to rub anybody's nose in it. I just want to make sure that there's some context being provided for something that I, I feel was really outrageous and, and, well, unjust that took place over the weekend, when a football game was canceled last Friday, because Ammon Bundy was standing outside the stadium, outside the fence, many yards away from anybody, but uh, school officials in Caldwell, Idaho, said no. You know, you can't, uh, you can't do that. If you don't mask up, then they canceled the game. Now they've, they've said, well, what happened was we got threatening calls. There were there were some calls to nine one one that uh, that were threatening. There was a threat. That's why we shut down the game for everyone's safety. I would love to get Eric Peter's take on this because he has talked about the safety cultists before. And, you know, that's that's such a convenient catch all. Oh, well, we know that everybody's safety was concerned, so we had to shut it down. As far as threats. I think I'd like a few more answers. I mean, maybe I'm maybe I'm being overly suspicious here, but I'm catching a whiff of Jussie Smollett and maybe a little bit of Tawana Brawley thrown in there, too. Very highly publicized and also very fake hoaxes which took place. And I think this is contrived as well. It just doesn't, it just doesn't fit. Nonetheless, I want to play some audio for you. This is from an interview that uh, a Boise television station as well as a Boise radio station did with Ammon Bundy. And this, is, this underscores the importance of going to the source whenever possible. Because this is not the story that most mainstream media outlets ran with, which was Ammon Bundy went and caused a stir at the game and he denied these wonderful children the chance to play football and everyone else had to be punished because of him. Him. They breathed between gasps of hate. So hear this. This is what he actually had to say.
2: This is CBS 2 News at 10.
3: We didn't demand going in. We didn't. Try to force our way in. We're not jumping the fence. We're not causing any trouble. We're not even around anybody else. Just leave us alone. Let us watch the game.
1: For the first time, Eamon Bundy is talking publicly about what <laughs> led up For the to first the first of last Friday's high school football game between Emmett and Caldwell. Eamon Bundy considered by some a patriot, by others a scoundrel. He talked with us in 670 KBY's Nate Shellman this evening.
4: Yeah, the game was called at halftime, you'll remember. Bundy says it's because he was watching from outside the fence and refused to mask up, refused to leave. He was there with his in-laws to watch his son play on the Emmett varsity team. But he told Nate Shellman that things started out bad and only got worse.
3: I didn't, like, knock somebody over to try to get in there.
1: There wasn't an armed in- incursion.
3: No, there's, I the don't... people need to hear that, I by don't the way. wear... I don't even... I don't even wear a gun.
4: At the gate, he was told he had to wear a mask.
3: And then I said, hey, I'm going to go down here, I, did, I, you know, along the fence, and I'm going to watch the game here. And my family went down there, and that was it.
4: They were all by themselves, as you can see in this video posted to Bundy's Facebook page. They were far away from the field, all alone, until school administrators sought them out.
3: I chose not to make any scene about it, and I just go over there to the fence... Why don't they just leave me alone?
4: But they wouldn't. Wear the mask or we're going to call the game. Yes. And he wouldn't.
3: We have to cancel the game. We don't go to the playoffs. You're not going to cancel the game. They're, They're going
4: to cancel know. the game. So they did. This video was shot after the game was called. Just stay home. No, I'm not going to stay home. My boy plays on that team and I could go,
3: I get a right to, do I not have a right to go watch?
1: We all did.
4: A lot of parents leaving were not happy with Ammon Bundy. And apparently, the Emmett coach wasn't either. Took it out on his son.
3: They actually put my son on a bus alone, riding back to Emmett, which was bothersome to my wife and I.
4: But maybe not so bad for his son because when he got off his bus back in Emmett all alone, he said some teammates were nearby and shouted encouragement and support. One other note, a Caldwell School spokesperson says that the game was not canceled because of Bundy, but because of threats made in a 911 call. The nature of the threat, though, she couldn't say. Bundy claims it's a smokescreen.
1: I think Bundy's right on this one. Now, again, I really, I would like to hear what, what exactly was the content of that call. And I don't know if that can be obtained under a Freedom of Information Act request or what. But you better pay attention to what's happening here. You might think, oh, this is just Ammon being Ammon out there, you know, stirring things up because that's what Bundy's do. Um, I promise you, he doesn't do this for the sake of, hey, everybody, look at me. He does not like being the guy sitting on the hot seat. He doesn't like all the hatred that is directed at him. But that's what it's come to today. If you're going to stand up, For your own liberty or for other people's liberty, if you're going to stand up for your autonomy, for for your self-ownership, in other words, I'm not going to be masked. Well, you can't come in here. Okay, that's fine. I'll just go walk down here and watch from outside the fence. No, you have to put on the mask. See, if if the game had been called, but the coach hadn't come and tried to persuade him, if the, the school district hadn't sent the police to try to arrest him, which they didn't, to their credit. It would be a lot easier to believe, oh, wow, somebody actually, you know, called and interrupted a game with a threat. Wow. You know, why would they do that? But you have all the drama and all the sickness psychosis playing out. And this guy won't uh, he won't bend the knee. He won't do what we're telling him to do. And that's why I really think that uh, I think the, the Caldwell School District folks are just as full of it as a Christmas goose. They couldn't force him to do what they wanted to, so they wanted to punish the kids. By the way, they have retreated, and the game has been awarded to Emmett, which was ahead 35 to nothing at the half. So, still not exactly a happy way to end the situation, but at least the, the players aren't being penalized. But let's call it what it was. It was collective punishment. It was it was for the sake of trying to incite the crowd and focus their anger on the one guy who just wanted to watch the game and be left alone and was willing to stand outside the fence far away from the action in order to make that happen. But the little heel clickers wouldn't let it happen. Please tell me that you can see. The fault is not going to be found with Ammon this time. You may disagree with him on other things. I don't see where he did anything to exacerbate the situation, except fail to submit like other people did. Well, maybe there's a reason he doesn't submit. Maybe we should examine that reason why he didn't submit. Maybe we should consider whether we should submit. Let's go to the phone, 801-331-8113. Caller, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you, Brian. I appreciate you taking my call. And I, like always, I really enjoy your show. You really bring up some real controversial issues that we really do need to think about.
1: I I hope I'm not beating a dead horse on this one, Ray. Uh, But to me, it's important that the truth be be told about this just because so many people have been misled and are angry by being misled.
2: well, Well, there's two points. You know, I, I really like the, the Greeks. They had the public forum, forum where you you get out there and you discuss the issues of the day. You know, let's let's hear all angles. You know, let's not just hear what the news is telling us. We know we can't trust the news. <clears throat> and so, um, I mean, there's people who actually want us to think a certain way, so they only give us pieces of information to try our try and channel our thinking. So, so we we think the way they think you know they they don't think we have a right to have all the truth and make up our own minds and this is a real problem and and two points i'd like to make
1: ray Um, you're going to have to make them after the break okay hang on we're going to take a real quick timeout, and we'll get back to you just the other side of our our commercial break i'd love to hear from others as well on this you know one of the big questions that lingers in my mind Why wasn't somebody else standing up for him? Why don't we do this for each other? We'll talk about that when we come back as well.
0: This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian
1: Hyde Show. All right, welcome back to the show. Let's go right to Ray, who has been patiently waiting to make a couple of points. Ray, the microphone is yours.
2: Yes. Yes, I'll try not to get into the point you brought up just before the break. That makes three points. I'll, I'll leave that to someone else. Okay. So the two points, because that's an interesting point, too. But the two points I was going to make is, um, is number one, um, you know, we we all have to wear masks somewhat. It, we're all confronted with the issue of masks. Let me put it that way. And so, you know, I wonder if there was some people in the crowd, you know, that that are saying, well, I hate wearing a mask, but I'm doing it, you know, and I, then therefore I'm doing it. I want everyone else has to do it, too, you know, and I, oh, yeah. I don't, you know, so th- then th- they'll point their finger at anybody else who's not doing it. You know, because they don't want to do it, but then at the same time, they don't want to take a stand. So to me, it's kind of cowardly, you know, to, to make a call and, and have the, uh, the government come out and, and create an issue. You know I, I, you know, I think those people might have created the issue who, who made the call in the 9 one it wasn't the Bundys. I don't think that you know they they went they weren't sitting in the crowd. They went off by themselves, you know. So they they weren't trying. You know, and the second point is that why hasn't there been a double blind study on mass? I mean, we've been using them for pretty close to a year now, ten months, you know. Um, by now, they should be able to do a double blind study and tell us the percentage of their effectiveness you know because personally i don 't think they 're effective you know I, I might I might say well maybe they're they 're five percent effective i mean some people think they 're fifty percent or seventy five or even a hundred percent effective, and I do not think they 're effective I, I think it 's just a psychological you know, rouge, and I have a lot of information to back that up. And, and, you know, I I think this needs to be, you know, done in a double-blind study. And there has been a lot of studies out there. And to me, I don't know if they're double-blind. But to me, the studies have satisfied me that I don't think that, that, you know, the mask does what people think it does. In fact, I think it does more harm than good.
1: Ray, I appreciate so, you weighing in on this issue. Thank you. Thank you so much for weighing in. And look, I'm not going to tell anybody. I know Ray wouldn't tell him either. If you if you feel safer wearing a mask, by all means, you go ahead and wear a mask. The problem comes when we start forcing other people, when we start trying to to bend them to our will. And, and the, I think that the thing that I that raises my ire the most with the Ammon Bundy case was they called the police on him. The school district officials called the police on this guy for standing there watching the game, not disturbing the peace, not doing anything, just standing there. And I have to I have to ask, was it because he wasn't wearing a mask? Was this showing defiance? Because there were plenty of other people, as you see in the various videos of what was going on there. There were lots of folks walking around there without masks. I think it's a fact that Ammon is known for being a guy who will not back down when it's a matter of principle. And unfortunately, people who have a little bit of authority and are determined to flex that authority, we will make you, you cannot resist us, we will assimilate you, says the Borg. They just, they can't handle someone not being in compliance It's like the grasshopper from a bug's life. If these guys see that that we can be disobeyed, everybody's going to get the idea that they don't have to do exactly what we're telling them. I know that sounds conspiratorial. It sounds like, well, what are you saying? This is just all about uh, seeing how far we can push compliance. As much as I don't want to believe it, my heart tells me that's more likely the case. And all the official pushes to it. I mean, for crying out loud, the the governor in my home state of Utah has been rightly called on the carpet. And I mean, called on the carpet hard because he has been exercising lockdown power and restrictions here. And, well, here's this mandate and that mandate, you know, and encouraging mandates for people to wear masks. And, you know, just all over social media, all over the media, promoting this panic and fear and be sure to wear your mask. Be a good citizen. And then multiple videos come out and photographs come out of the governor hobnobbing at various, you know, fundraising events and what have you, unmasked, not social distancing. And the hypocrisy of it is, is just overwhelming. I mean, it's, it, it's such a clear case of, you know, you do what I say, you do what I tell you to do, but, but uh, don't worry about what I'm doing. Do as I say, not as I do. Number one, we're not children. And number two, you've been caught. I mean, the governor has gone to the press now, and, and of course, uh, a lot of Utah's heritage media is uh, is faithfully clinging to the fear porn of you know we've got to push the the fear of this and the cases, the cases. You know, oh yes, the mass graves everywhere. Not, yes, people are are testing positive. More tests are being done. Some people are dying. A remarkably low amount considering the number that are testing positive. But the governor runs to the media and tells him, you know, those videos aren't telling the whole story. I'm being unfairly portrayed. I think the word uh, that you're you're searching for is you're being revealed (laughs) As, as a hypocrite. I wish this wasn't such a contentious thing. I really do. And like I said, as we went to the break, the the part that bothers me the most is when someone is being harassed. I think of the mom who was arrested, tased and arrested at a football game in Ohio as she sat unmasked in the bleachers, socially distanced from everybody around her. A police officer came up, confronted her. He escalated the situation and then ultimately arrested her when she refused to bow and scrape sufficiently quickly. She didn't respect his authority in time. But the most troubling part of that was how many people sat there and watched. I've heard from a lot of folks, and the thought crossed my mind too. What would I do? I don't think I could just sit there. That doesn't mean, well, I'd go attack the cop, of course. (laughs) I don't think that's a wise thing to do either, but somebody needs to do something. I like what Eric Peters suggested, which is if if more people near there had simply stood up and taken off their masks and said, Hey, are you going to arrest me too? It wouldn't take more than a handful of them doing so to make the point. You can't arrest all of us. And anybody who tried to escalate that, especially if the people are behaving peacefully, just take off your mask. Fine. You want you wanna, you know, harass people over that? Come harass us too. So, why don't we stand up for each other? In fact, even more disturbing, why do we search for and cling desperately to grasp anything, anything that will help me keep the belief that the state is never wrong? That's fear that drives that kind of thinking. That's fear that's looking for an out so you don't have to accept responsibility for yourself. I'm not telling you to throw caution to the wind. I'm not telling you to do anything reckless. But I think we all need to reevaluate. How willing are we to stand? And it's something we better get sorted out sooner than later because it's going to be forced on you at some point. You're going to have to make that choice. Caller, welcome to the show. (laughs) this is what i would be saying if i were about 2 seconds faster in picking up the phone actually it's probably a good thing we're going to break here in just a moment 801-331-8113 join the conversation look if i'm wrong tell me where i'm wrong tell me what i'm not seeing 801-331-8113 we'll take a break here i'll go do some deep breathing exercises calm myself down we'll be back just the other side of news
0: This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show.
1: All right, welcome back to the show. 801-331-8113. I think I'm going to take this opportunity to kind of veer off... And spend a little time exploring free speech in fact i 'm going to do sort of a backwards thing here i 'm going to not only explore some free speech but i 'm going to drop a big old pregnant hint that we will be uh, expounding on a little bit more in the next few days. but um, I am affiliated with some really amazing people, and uh, there is uh, there 's been a lot of effort to to help build and launch platforms from which free speech can flourish, from which, pe- from which people can freely speak the truth and not be looking over their shoulder every few minutes to see if the, uh, you know, uh, social media algorithms are, are going to shut them down, deplatform them, censor them, demonetize them and so forth. And it's been really interesting because a couple of years ago, I didn't know anything about this. Now, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a seasoned veteran, but I've got a pretty good idea of how this works. And it's immensely satisfying, and it has brought me into a circle of of influencers that uh, I, I never would have dreamed that that I would be associating with. And so I'm just going to tell you this: in the next couple of days, we're going to have an announcement to make about uh, a very uh, very exciting strategic partnership that uh, will be be taking place that uh, will ultimately bring even more resources for truth within your reach and hopefully inspire you to, to look at, to, if, if you're not building your own platform of truth, and I'm not saying you have to host your own podcast, you have to host your own radio show, you should have a blog. But at the same time, I'm going to ask you, why, what would that hurt? What would it hurt if you were to create a platform from which you could publish truth? Especially if you could do it in such a way that you're not beholden to all of the various social media tech giants and, and and their restrictions on free speech, which apparently are perfectly cool because, you know, it's not the government that's doing it to you, right? So stick around, stay tuned. That's, I've, I've, that's as big a hand as I can drop for now. I'm very excited about it and very excited that you are going to be meeting some really remarkable people Over the next uh, over the short term future, you're going to you're going to really meet some movers and shakers. And I want to I want this to inspire you to step up and be one of those people, one of those voices in in whatever form you do, if it's a one on one kind of voice or whether you uh, decide you're going to, you know, publish your, your truth on a broader scale. It needs to be spoken error needs to be countered and that doesn't mean you know we're all going to sit around and we're going to argue on the internet all day every day time is too precious to waste it you know just trying to trying to uh, you know beat somebody into submission it's more a matter of helping people discover truths on their own terms plant the seed walk away you don't have to win In this case, you just have to to point them in a direction where they can recognize, hey, there's something more here. Why didn't I see that before? Let's talk about speech. Let's talk about free speech and the fight for free speech. This is from Walter E. Williams. He says, the violence, looting and mayhem that this nation has seen over the last several months has much of its roots in academia. Where leftist faculty teach immature young people all manner of nonsense that contradicts common sense. And the principles of liberty. Now, does that sound harsh to you? I mean, it's pretty direct, but I don't think he's wrong. I don't think he is wrong in the least in how he describes that. He says, Chief among their lessons is a need to attack free speech in the form of prohibitions against so called hate speech and microaggressions. And then he gives some examples of microaggressions. You are a credit to your race. Wow, how did you become so good in math? There is only one race, the human race, or I'm not racist. I have several black friends. As a woman, I know what you go through as a racial minority. Now, he says it's a tragic state of affairs when free speech and inquiry require protection at institutions of higher learning. Indeed, freedom in the marketplace of ideas has made the United States, as well as other Western nations, a leader in virtually every area of human endeavor. A monopoly of ideas is just as dangerous as a monopoly in political power or a monopoly in the production of goods and services. So Dr. Walter Williams says we might ask, what is the true test of a person's commitment to free speech? The true test does not come when he permits people to say those things he deems acceptable. The true test comes when he permits people to say those things that he deems offensive. The identical principle applies to freedom of association. Its true test comes when someone permits others to voluntarily associate in ways that he deems offensive. He says, well, free speech has been under attack. We are beginning to see some pushback. More than 12,000 professors, free speech leaders, and conservative-leaning organization leaders have signed the Philadelphia Statement. The 845-word document says, in part, quote, Similarly, colleges and universities are imposing speech regulations to make students safe, not from physical harm, but from challenges to campus orthodoxy. These policies and regulations assume that we as as citizens are unable to think for ourselves and to make independent judgments. Instead of teaching us to engage, they foster conformism, groupthink, and train us to respond to intellectual challenges with one or another form of censorship. A society that lacks comity and allows people to be shamed or intimidated into self-censorship of their ideas and considered judgments will not survive for long. As Americans, we desire a flourishing open marketplace of ideas, knowing that it is the fairest and most effective way to separate falsehood from truth. Accordingly, dissenting and unpopular voices, be they of the right or the left, must be afforded the opportunity to be heard. They've often guided our society toward more just positions, which is why Frederick Douglass said freedom of speech is the great moral renovator of society and government, End quote. Now, Dr. Walter Williams says the recognition of the intellectual elite attacking free speech is not new. In a 1991 speech, Yale University President Benno Schmidt warned the most serious problems of freedom of expression in our society today exist on our campuses. The assumption seems to be that the purpose of education is to induce correct opinion rather than to search for wisdom and to liberate the mind, End quote. Dr. Walter Williams says tyrants everywhere from the Nazis to the communists started out supporting free speech rights. Why? Because speech is important for the realization of leftist goals of command and control. People must be propagandized, proselytized, and convinced. But he says once leftists have gained power, As they have in most of our colleges and universities, free speech becomes a liability because it challenges their ideas and agenda and must be suppressed. Attacks on free speech to accommodate multiculturalism and diversity are really attacks on Western values, which are superior to all others. The indispensable achievement of the West was the concept of individual rights, the idea that individuals have certain inalienable rights that are not granted by government. Governments exist to protect these inalienable rights. It took until the 17th century for that idea to arise, and mostly through the works of English philosophers like John Locke and David Hume. Now the 21st century campus leftists are trying to suppress these inalienable rights. That's a beautiful description, by the way, of what's at stake. It's not just a political point of view. It's not just, well, I want my conservative leanings to be, you know, out there in the public marketplace. It's the idea that every single one of us has God-given rights. And I, I learned this lesson from, from Ryan Bundy. You only have those rights you are willing to claim, use, and defend. What happens if you just sit quietly? What happens if you if you just kind of, you know, hunker down and don't allow any attention to to come your way? Do your best to just ride out, you know, the storm so that nobody will ever criticize you. Those rights have a tendency to vanish. And if you don't know what it's like, please take a walk on a campus. In fact, you know, do this experiment. Get your hands on a a Trump 2020 T-shirt or a Make America Great Again red and white hat. And go walk around a college campus. You will learn an applied lesson in free speech that I guarantee you will not soon forget. And by the way, you might want to make sure your medical coverage is up to date, your insurance, uh, because there's a very good chance you may be physically accosted and attacked. That's how serious it gets when we allow free speech to be taken away. People believe I have an absolute right, I have the absolute prerogative to attack you, to physically harm you, because I believe you think differently than I do. They're not willing to talk to you about it. They'll shout at you, they'll insult you, they'll challenge you to a fight, and of course they'll beat you. Don't let it get to that point. This is just where it happens to be the worst. Find the courage to stand for what you believe in. But first, you got to know what you believe in. So let's get to work on that.
0: This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show.
1: Hey, just want to mention that our show is brought to you in part today by Jeff Staples Real Estate. This should be of particular interest to my friends listening to me um, in, in Utah because Jeff is with ERA Brokers Consolidated, and this is a guy who knows how to get the job done for you, which is important in in, in any kind of real estate market. But it's a particularly hot and fast moving market right now. Bottom line: if you are willing to, if you want to, to sell your home for more, or if you're wanting to purchase a home for less, I want you to talk to my friend Jeff Staples, and you can find his contact information. Very simply, go to the show notes. I post them up every time I, I do the program. Go to the BrianHydeshow.com. Show notes for October 7th. And right at the bottom of the page, you'll find a link. Jeff Staples Real Estate. Click on it. It'll take you to his page where you can contact him. And uh, and again, this is for my listeners throughout the state of Utah. doesn't matter if you're in southern or northern Utah. He can help you. All right. That said, let's get back to it. 801-331-8113. There was another article that I wanted to share about rights against speech. And I'm just going to give a couple excerpts of this and then I'll share this in the show notes as well. It's from John Samples. It was published by Cato Institute at Cato.org. And he starts with, why do social media companies have the right to suppress speech on their platforms? And it's interesting the way he words this. He says, in the United States, they may do so. Because the U.S. Supreme Court has said the First Amendment doesn't apply to private companies. But he says the companies want more than just sheer discretion. And they seem unwilling to say, hey, we're maximizing shareholder value, which requires suppressing speech. Indeed, they seem to want an answer to the question, why should we suppress speech? So this apparent uh, desire for a broader foundation for content moderation has led Facebook to the door of the United Nations and international law. Need to ban hate speech? Article 20 of the International Covenant of Civil and Political Rights requires it, and not just of government. Facebook has signed the Guiding Principles on Business and Human Rights, which requires businesses to, quote, respect human rights. He says Susan Benish treats the issues implicit in mixing content moderation and international law in her essay, But Facebook's Not a Country, How to Interpret Human Rights Law for Social Media Companies. And by the way, the human rights law she would have platforms adapt can be found in articles 19 and 20 of the International Covenant of Civil and Political Rights. It's a fascinating read. Kind of chilling, too, though. This to me just underscores the idea that, look, we need to be making our own platforms. And for those who think, well, that's just too hard, you just, how, how could you possibly do that? You know, two years ago, I would have thought, yeah, that sounds almost impossible. And I, and I, don't, I don't want to sound like I'm bragging because I'm, I'm no expert at this. But in the last two years, I have helped to build a couple of broadcasting platforms and the beauty of it is neither one of them are beholden to any particular social media giant in order for their existence. Now they can use social media as a way to magnify their message, but they're not dependent on it. It's not like, Oh, Twitter, shut us down. We're done. We're dead in the water. Look, some people have the gift of just being able to, to put their thoughts into writing. And it may sound really simple. Well, hey, everybody has a blog. I understand. We live in a time where the technology makes it possible. Pretty much anybody can have a blog. My point is simply this. What if you have a message that needs to be told? And by the way, if you, if you have a message like that in your heart, you know it. It's not like, you know, well, I have to wait for the heavens to part and a ray of sunlight to fall directly on me and a voice to speak saying, I have a job for you. No, it's it's something that people just find there's something that that burns within their soul that they feel like I have to say something here. And it's not just, you know, I'm going to get on and ramble, you know, and and say whatever, you know, comes to I'm not going to do free form association, yo, you know, it's it's more like. There's a message that resonates with them that brings joy or that brings light into their life. So much so that they're willing to sacrifice time and effort. In learning everything they can about that message and perfecting their understanding of it. Which, by the way, Leonard E. Reed wrote about this in The Essence of Americanism. He talks about how there are different levels at which we understand. And in his case, he was talking about liberty liberty. And, and economics. But there comes a point where, you know, you can be a pretty strong advocate for something because you have a decent understanding. But having a decent understanding may not be enough to carry the day. Maybe you need to have a really excellent understanding. And in order to get that, you have to be willing to pay the price. And it's always been this way the price for personal greatness has no shortcuts. And you look at any great person throughout history, man, woman, I don't care, big or small, people who have made a remarkable difference by the way that they lived their lives always had to pay a price to really understand what they were about and to know what their message was. And the best measure that I've been told is if you have people starting to approach you Can you tell me more about this? Or I'm interested in learning more. How could how could I become better informed on this? When you start to see that happen. That is a very good sign that you're doing something right. If you're not drawing the audience, if people are not coming to you seeking, you know, further understanding, don't be discouraged. It takes time. And you don't necessarily need, you know, a bigger platform or a louder, you know, megaphone. What you need is just to do your homework. Understand the issue. There's a lot of knowledge out there. And I don't know what the message is that, uh, that you particularly have the aptitude to deliver. I think about my friend, Kristen Chevrier. And health and particularly um, personal health and ownership of your well-being has been a message that she has worked tirelessly to develop understanding and and to know what she talks about. It's not just a casual hobby for her. It's an absolute way of life, and she shares that information freely. Some people don't want to hear it. What? You're against vaccinations? That's all they want to hear? "Uh, You're an anti-vaxxer. I don't have to listen to you. Other people are like, tell me more about what you've learned about nutrition and its relationship to our health. My point is, she is a very sought-after person because of her knowledge. Even if it's not what everybody else wants, there are those who want it. I'm willing to bet that there is something in your soul that resonates with you. Something that brings a sense of purpose. And here's how you know it. It brings a sense of purpose. You'd be willing to do it even if you weren't being paid for it. Or you'd be willing to do it even if you had to give up Sleep or give up time, you know, water skiing or horseback riding, doing things of leisure. You do it because it matters to you. So I'm going to throw a very gentle challenge there before you. It's up to you whether or not to pick it up and run with it. Figure out what it is. What's the message you could share that would bring more light and truth into the world? I mean, for crying out loud, it might be, you know, I am designing a cooler car that runs more efficiently on you know fossil fuel or that runs on water or something. I don't know what it is. I, you know, you're, you're a unique individual. And if I can be really blunt, I think God sent you here and sent every one of us here with something individually important that we need to do. The happiest people I know are the people who've tapped into that sense of purpose And then use that to bless the lives of the people around them. The beautiful thing about that is if you do it right, and if you do it with that that entrepreneurial approach of creating value for the people around you, it can become a way of of how you make a living. It becomes a vocation where purpose and work become one and the same. And your your job is not just a job just to, to earn a paycheck. But it's how you bless the world with your time and with your talents and with your abilities. Does that sound too pie in the sky? There's a time I would have thought, yeah, 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 but I got to feed my family. Well, I've seen it play out in my own life. I've seen it play out in the lives of people who are close to me. And I'm telling you, it's worth considering. And right now, what we need so desperately are people who have the ability and courage to put that message out there that's in their hearts. And there's a lot of avenues by which it can be done. Look, if you want some ideas, hit me up personally. There's contact links through my website, thebrianhydeshow.com. Look at the end of the show notes. You can leave me comments. I would be happy to help anybody who asks for some direction.
0: This is The Brian Hyde Show.